Welcome to the Digitally Dreaming Off the Gridiron Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Fali. I'm joined today by Super Bowl 50 champion, starting left tackle, fellow Muslim athlete, and inspiration to all athletes across the world, Ryan Harris. Ryan, how you doing today, brother? Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh, brother. Great to join you. Likewise, yeah. So, how was your New Year, man? Alhamdulillah, man. New Year was good. Um, you know, I, I believe all of us have gone through a great deal of transition over the last two years. and for me, uh, I'm blessed and I continue to, to find myself in great opportunities and I continue to refine uh, my time to spend it where I want to spend it. 100%. I know you've obviously been a lot involved in a lot of different things. We connect on LinkedIn. Um, so obviously, I'm not sure if you, if, if you took note of that, but yeah, I, I've seen that you've been obviously involved in the broadcasting game and obviously, you know, your, your own business line, you know, with, with Ryan, with, with, the, with, with 68. So um, yeah, I mean, it's awesome to see that. So kind of, I mean, let's just start off with the obvious, you know, the Super Bowl, kind of, what did you think of it? And kind of talk about your experience, you know, starting the, the Super Bowl year for, for Denver. And, uh, you know. Well, the Super Bowl itself, you know, uh, I always love sharing this with my fellow Muslims, but uh, shout out to Ismail Maher uh, out in uh, New York. He actually met me before the Super Bowl, and him and his son brought me some Zumzum that I oh, drank nice. in the locker room before Super Bowl 50. So I think it was a wrap after that, you know. I'm not sure that anybody drank Zumzum. Uh, on the 49ers, but, uh, but man, I did, and it helped us out. You know, but it started early. Um, in the beginning of the year, we knew we had an opportunity, and Shannon Sharp gave a great speech to the team about, hey, if you're not here to win a championship, you know, basically get the bleep out. And we, you know, the wildest characters you can possibly imagine, but everybody was in the building by 6.45, 7.15. You know, everybody was doing extra work. Everybody was challenging the coaches, coaches challenging the players. And I'm so grateful I got to be a part of the Super Bowl 50 team because it was the best team I had ever been on. DeMarcus Ware and Peyton Manning are two of the greatest leaders I've ever played with. And they both did amazing things um, for other players outside of their talent at, at their respective position. And we had fun. You know, Peyton and I had fun before practices and we had fun as a team, you know, as an offensive line. So I really learned a lot Super Bowl 50 season. And the truth is for a lot, for all of us that, you know, for the beginning, individual success matters most. That's what gets you to college. That's what gets you to your career. But if you want to have elite success, you better be a great teammate. And I learned that the Super Bowl 50 season and, and happier, I'm happier to, to learn it than to know that I had the trace to be a great teammate before uh, joining that team. And it was just fun to be around people who, behaved and were professional and had fun like I did. 100%. I think, I think, I think the cultural locker room can definitely, you know, really set the tone, you know, um, even for me, the arena, semi-program, you know, it was, it was one of those things where you could tell, you know, if you have those leaders, but you, if you're able to kind of let loose to have fun, right. Between practice and scrimmages, you know, I mean, and in between game days and game week, right. It makes it a lot easier, you know? So I do think, you know, that that's definitely, you know, a paramount principle or I guess pillar to the team, you know, to winning. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So kind of let's also talk about kind of that, that AFC championship game against, against New England. Obviously, Tom Brady just retired. But uh, talk about that game. I mean, how was that like for you? <laughs> well, I was in my own little world. Dante Hightower and myself uh, had some legendary battles, and I was 100% committed to destroying him, and he was 100% committed to destroying me. So uh, I'll never forget, though, uh, being on the sideline as the, as the, as, as the Patriots went into for the two point conversion. I literally was sitting on the sideline. I was like, I believe in God. I know that this is going to happen. I know we're going to win this game. 
I just was sitting there and I didn't even watch it. And then, you know, they said hike and you saw everybody moving in the corner of my eye. And I just looked up and I saw the ball tipped in the air. And, and once it came down, it wasn't in their hands. I knew it was it was great. And another big thing, I mean, we were the first team to beat a Bill Belichick squad two seasons in a row or two times in the same season uh, when he had Tom Brady. And also it was just a great change in in the game. You know, the way the Patriots beat people is they're going to be so physical. They want to shock you out of your game plan. But the minute you do not back down, the minute you dole back that physical punishment, they don't know what to do. And you add that to, you know, being penalty free or as close to it as possible. And you have a real shot at beating that team. And we displayed that twice with two different quarterbacks through the season. And it was just the beginning of a wild ride, uh, that AFC championship game. Yeah, and what was that like, obviously, transition between Brock and Peyton? <clears throat> well, Peyton's just a total field general. And, you know, he's a coach on the field. He would pull out plays that maybe we hadn't ran in a while, but he knew and trusted us that we knew it. So, you know, Peyton really empowered a lot of people around him. And when Brock came in, you know, he, his first speech to the team, we got in late because of a snowstorm. And uh, Coach Kubiak had him speak, and he said, guys, I promise you I'm ready. So whatever you got to do tomorrow to get ready to play, go do that because I'm going to be ready tomorrow and we're going to win this game. And we did. So we needed Brock to come in there and, and help us win. And he did that. You know, I thought he was a prolific passer, a great teammate, um, had a lot of fun with his offensive line. I mean, all the, all these guys I'll have a relationship with for the rest of my life. Um, but we needed both quarterbacks and we needed, you know, we need, that's what happens on an NFL roster. You need all 53 guys plus the practice squad because with injuries, you know, suspensions, whatever it may be, you have to be able to plug and play, and we were able to do that. No, I think that's definitely key. It's definitely key because we think about plugging and playing. If you heard Von Miller, your teammate, you know, after the Super Bowl, he said coming to coming to LA, having having that loaded roster, it, it was a very seamless transition for him. You know, uh, you know, and it, it was literally he said it was plug and play. So I do think there's definitely, you know, it, it definitely there's a definite um, truth to that to that statement. So. Yeah, when you have when you have great players around you and players who are willing to learn, and this is not just in sports, this is in life. When you have people around you who are willing to learn, willing to be accountable, who want to get better every day, uh, you actually have to worry about less, right? Yeah. Like as a lineman, I didn't have to worry about uh, my guard hitting a blitzing linebacker before he hit me in the face because I trusted my play, my teammate to do it next to me, whether it was Lou Vasquez or Evan Mathis or, or Max Garcia. So. Um, there's so much less you have to focus on when you when you surround yourself with great people. Hundred percent. I agree with you about you know that 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 transitions to off the field, right? Because you know this this podcast is digital dreaming off the gridiron podcast. We're talking about everything off the gridiron, right? So obviously business, you know, I mean life, you know, I mean just the company you keep, right? If you're able to surround yourself with the right people, you're able to kind of really see the results, you know, because that positivity will will eventually kind of rub off on you, one way or another. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I will. Okay. Let me ask you this, this is a personal question, because obviously for me, I mean, uh, for, for, during Ramadan, how was fasting for you? Because for me, <laughs> like, I mean, I read the stories about Hakeem, I read your stories. I'm like, I don't know how y'all did it. Because for me, I mean, if it's Juco or if it's Arena, I'm just like, yo, coach, I'm only going to do like half the practice. Because <laughs> I'm yeah. going to be able to go. <laughs> you know? So talk to me about that. <laughs> well, first, first, I ignored my brothers and sisters who had no concept of what physical duties I was actually doing. You know, I had some. Muslim brothers and sisters that were like, hey, just tell coach you need to go pray in the middle of practice. I'm like, you don't understand what practice is. No, <laughs> right? Um, you know, but I wasn't, I was only able to fast uh, a couple of years just for a day or two. You know, I yeah. really, what I really did was I, I took that opportunity to feed the poor and I made some great community connections here in Denver and beyond. And yeah. um, 
because there's a lot. Hey, and I played with Hamza. Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I played with Hamza and Hussein. So both those guys, I would tell them like, man, you know, you're crazy. And they're also <laughs> corners and safeties, right? So they're not hitting people every play. But um, but it, you know, my first Ramadan after football, I was terrified because I was like, man, I got no excuses now. Yeah. I think it was in, you know, July or something like that. So it was just a stretch. Like, I think dinner was at like 8.50. Um, but it, but I've continued to grow in my love for Ramadan. It's just an amazing month. It gives me the opportunity to gain control of my priorities and and just increase my dhikr and, and just really focus uh, on my love of God. And I know Ramadan is something for different people, but to me, it's just a time, you know, like Lent currently for my our Christian brothers and sisters. It's a time to, to, to just love God and do that as many ways as possible in your day. And I'm so grateful for Ramadan. You know, it never comes at the right time, but it always <laughs> comes at the perfect time. Right. And right. It's, uh, it's something that I'm so grateful for. And it's something that made me stronger because even if, you know, even if I wasn't fasting, I was still trying to read as much Quran as I could. I was still trying to forgive people, you know, watch my speech. and just increase being a better person. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And that's very inspiring to hear. So now I don't feel as guilty because you're kind of like me in the sense that, you know, I couldn't really fast much during during, during training camp. So <laughs> it's just like, you know, and, and like you said, though, I mean, obviously, like, you know, it's the same. Like for me transitioning when I stopped playing three or four years ago, I'm like, okay, like, no, no excuses, right? But hey, you know, yeah. it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help strengthen my mind. Like you said, you know, kind of, and like like you said, the kind of what you do, I also try to give as much the God as possible if I cannot for whatever reason, make those fasts, right? And, um, yeah. you know, because I think that's the ultimate essence, in my opinion, of Ramadan. It's giving back and sacrificing for those less fortunate and being able to show and kind of fuel their fuel their struggle. So, yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's an amazing, yeah. it's an amazing time. And and I'm not one of those people, hey, don't tell me you just had water and a date for breakfast. I don't want to hear that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I don't, I don't think it's good to start talking about how little you eat during Ramadan. I mean, that's not the point, you know, so... Uh, hats off to the brothers and sisters that don't have to eat in the morning, but hey, for the rest of us, get you some overnight oats, put some put some fiber in your fiber and peanut butter in your protein shake, and hang on. Get some coconut water too. Hang on. Hundred percent. Let me ask you another question because after the Super Bowl, I mean, you actually were because that was around the time that Trump was running, and you made some pretty strong statements, you know, and commend I commend you for that. What do you think right now about the current political climate? Um, how, do you think things have improved at all? Or do you think that, you know, we're still kind of in a, in a position where we have to kind of be on the defense you know, as Muslims? Uh, we all need to expect more of each other's capabilities. And um, especially for those of us who are people of color or, or those of us who have experienced diversity in our life, we have to bring other people to our experiences. You know, it's not enough to to say, hey, I, I think this way and you think that way. And especially as Muslims, we're taught to respect that. And, and you don't have to change anyone's mind, but you do have to change their experience. So um, I was one who thought, hey, you know, this was a small, this was a small faction that, that looked at things inconsistently. And what we find is uh, many of us are inconsistent when, you know, we talk about love or explain to me how there are, you know, white and black churches in America. So we have some deep issues that we need to remedy. And listen, I had nine surgeries in my 10-year NFL career, and I needed a remedy for my back pain, and that was a surgery. It was painful, but it helped me out in the long run. And we need more remedies uh, in our society today, and that includes all of us inviting others to our situation. You know, if you've never been to a mosque during a Juma prayer, 
how could you possibly know what it's like to touch toes with strangers of every color? Um, and within our own Muslim community, we have issues with, with not expecting and not having capabilities of others because of where they're from. So that's a human condition and that's an opportunity for all of us as humans to reach out to others, include them, even if you don't think that they will, it'll make a difference in their life. Now you now you actually actually jolt my memory to to kind of another question, kind of because what you just said about the struggle and kind of inclusive and in, within the community, you're right. You're very right. I've seen that, you know, firsthand. Kind of to your what was your struggle kind of being a convert, finding Islam and kind of being embraced? You know what I mean? Because obviously everyone's story is different. You know, I just think it's more fascinating to hear, you know, if you're not born into it, kind of what was it like for you and kind of talk to me about your journey? <clears throat> well, it's an incredible learning experience, still is, right? Um, and, and what I was unprepared for was how often people, um, would, would really extend their opinion without asking, right? Um, right. you know, for the first few years of my life as a Muslim, if I didn't go with my Muslim teacher to, uh, to iftar, I would be sitting alone at the mosque, you know? <laughs> so that was something where it gave me an opportunity just though, I mean, I didn't, I didn't become Muslim for anybody else. You know, I, I became Muslim because I love God and. And Islam is the is the faith in which I believe I can truly express that love for our creator. Um, and, it, and it encouraged me to dig deeper into text, to come up with, my, you know, to find my favorite name for Allah, Al-Kahar, right? The irresistible. It's just a phenomenal thought to think about. Um, and I also, you know, was able to create new relationships. Um, but I'll give you an example. You know, Fridays in the NFL, guys do a variety of things, right? You're usually done by 12. Um, and literally, I got an invitation to just about anything you could imagine that 20 to 30 year olds are doing who have money in their pocket on a Friday afternoon. And I made it to the masjid for the second Juma prayer. And um, as I was walking in, a brother said, hey, hey, brother, roll up your pant legs. And I'm like, dude, if you knew what I passed to come here, like you would be you would be ashamed of yourself. And so. <laughs> And then leaving that prayer, you know, I, I, I studied the Maliki Madhab, so my hands are at my side. And leaving that same prayer, you know, a brother screamed, you know, kind of yelled across the way, like, where did you learn to pray, brother? And I'm like, and so my thing was, excuse me, what's your name? Right. <laughs> and that's, and for those who are Muslim, like, I say that because you should never offer criticism before someone knows your name, if you have adab, if you have manners. So, to me, it was a, to me, I find this unique space in Islam where it's deeply personal for me. Um, my love of God is something that I try and keep at the forefront of my mind all the time. And because I, you know, learned the, the, the adab and I learned about different things, I'm still learning, but I'm able to call people out on their crap. You know, you should never ask, you should never tell a brother or sister what to do when they're coming in the mosque. They're there. Shut your mouth, you know, and you definitely shouldn't do that if somebody doesn't know your name. Um, so I, I have fun in those moments, checking people, uh, but man, Allah is the, uh, is the greatest of all those who check others and, and God willing, we'll be able to, uh, be able to be in, in a good place after this life. Alhamdulillah. No, it's a really powerful statement. It's a really powerful kind of message to anyone, you know, please, please be sure to not judge and be mindful because everyone's journey is different. And I, and I, and I can talk to all, all the other converts who I played with, you know, whether they have tats or how they do wazoo, right? Someone in the mustard is like, hey, that's not how you do it. Hey, that's not that. Da, da, da. It's like, it's, you know, it's like, yo, like, you know, the, the whole judgmental aspect of it is really kind of detrimental, I think, you know, and I think it's something that's very critical. 
But obviously, kind of in closing, I know we're a little bit over in closing thoughts, kind of talking about what your favorite moment is of your overall career and what is in scope or kind of what do you have you know, on the pipeline for 2022 and beyond um, outside of football? My favorite moment, man, there's a lot of great ones. Um, but, you know, touching the Lombardi trophy, you know, Peyton handed it down to me from the stand and, and I got to have my dad and my mom and uh, wife and sister, brother touch the trophy. And then I got to hand it to, DeMarcus Ware. I mean, that was a moment that I'll never forget. And, uh, and Omar Suleiman and uh, Jamal Suleiman came to, came to the game. And I just remember, you know, sitting with them at the after party eating and, uh, you know, all kinds of celebrations are going on. And I told, uh, but, I, but I, I made a pact with God that if we went and won the Super Bowl, you know, I would, I'd, be a, I'd be a good Muslim for that night of celebration. So um, I've got many memories. I'm very blessed. Alhamdulillah, uh, it's an amazing thing. And I earned every opportunity on the field that I got. Um, and, and I earned that because of God's blessing. So um, in 2022 and 23, you know, my, my aim is for greater impact. You know, uh, as it comes to the Muslim community, we have to do a better job of talking to one another about, time, about struggles we have. Because even for me, I mean, there was a time where I felt increased, incredibly isolated from the Muslim community because of some of my choices in my recreational time. And thankfully I had a brother who was like, Hey man, you're not the only brother that struggles with that. You know? <laughs> so I know we, I yeah. know we have rules about talking about, you know, sins that Allah has covered up uh, and we risk alienating powerful members of our community, which every person is by, by withholding what we struggle with as well. So I want to continue to create impact by being honest, um, by delivering value for others. And in that way we will all win God willing. Inshallah, you know, I definitely agree with you on that. You know, obviously, like, you know, everyone has their skeletons in the closet, right? So it's all about kind of just being inclusive, opening the door, extending our hands and being able to just build the bread and I guess build, build, build the bridges to kind of build and make the community even stronger than it is. Brian, you know, I appreciate you, brother. You know, uh, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your journey. Um, you know, hopefully we can do this again soon. And, uh, you know, inshallah, wishing you for future success and all your endeavors. And uh, thank you, brother. Thank you, Brother Asif. See you later. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam.